This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, how many ready for some word now? Amen. Amen. We thank you for your patience. Thank you what's going on. But I'll tell you what, God is doing great things in this church and is going to continue to do great things. How many need a sermon outline? If you need a sermon outline, hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hi. And here comes your servant outline. Amen. Amen. And while you while, while you get your outline, I want to show you a book from the bookstore. I believe in visions. I believe in visions. And uh, on Wednesday nights we're teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's it's, it's totally scriptural. The Bible, God does give visions. God gives insight of the future. God shows you things about life. God gives dreams. He gives visions. And you know, it's one thing between you, uh, have, have, having some kind of goofy dream and trying to figure out, was that a God dream or what, what's going on there? Well, if you have to try to figure it out, it wasn't God. When God gives you a dream, when God gives you a vision, you instantly know what it is. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to ponder it. You just, you know, but then you just have to thank God for it. Find out what to do about it. We're not led by visions. We're led by the Spirit of God. But God gives us things sometimes in the Spirit to see things and know things to help us see what's going on in our lives to, to sometimes give us, give us some strength, some hope, etc. Well, Brother Hagen, in his lifetime, had several visitations where the Lord Jesus Christ actually stepped out of the Spirit realm, stepped in and talked to him and showed him things. Somebody said, well, How's that work? Well, he appeared to Paul. He appeared to a lot of people to start the book of Acts and taught them, it says, 40 days about the things of the kingdom of God. So if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever, then Jesus is still will appear to people today as he will. We don't pray for those things. We don't conjure up things, try to make things happen. But this book here is really an inspiration, totally from the word of God, about things that God does at the times we live in. We need all of the supernatural we can get. But I want to say this. I've, I've, I've been around the kingdom of God going on 40 years. Been in the ministry a good part of that time. I've seen enough goofy stuff and enough flaky stuff and weird stuff and error that I don't play games with it. I don't give place to it. But at the same time, we do not throw water on the fire of the Holy Ghost because there's been goofy things. Doesn't mean we do away with it. But if you come to these Wednesday night services where we're teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it'll help you be grounded to recognize error from truth. Amen. And so this book here, if you're somebody who's hungry for the supernatural, this book will really help you to see some things with your Bible open, study the Word of God, see some things and be grounded. Because Paul warned us that there's spirits called angels of light. And angels of light are demon spirits that imitate real angels, that imitate spiritual things, and they deceive many Christians. You know, when I, when I, when I was, right before I got saved, is anybody here a man named Jim Jones? Some of this, some, some of the older generation knows. Well, Jim Jones actually came from where I came from, Indianapolis, Indiana. And my music minister and his family actually went to Jim Jones Church in Indiana before Jim Jones became Deceived Jim Jones. He was the pastor of a Disciples of Christ Church in Indiana back in the back in the sixties, seventies, and he wasn't weird then. He was a modified like we, straight up and down Christian that taught the Bible. But demon spirits deceived him till he got to the place in life where he thought he was Jesus Christ. And then when things were coming down because of the people he was hurting, he actually mixed poison in Kool Aid, and that's with expression. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Mixed poison in Kool-Aid and killed a lot of Christians that were deceived. And so just because there's deception doesn't mean there's not real. And so that's what I say as a pastor going to answer to God for what I teach people. I want to teach you the Bible, make resources available to you to learn the Bible so you can float the supernatural. But at the same time, if demon spirits and error come into your life, you can say, no, Satan, get thee behind me. You're not God. This is not life, the Word of God. Get out of here. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. 
Amen. So that book would be a great book, especially if you're hungry for supernatural things of God. You need to read books like that by bonafide men and women of God that lived a long, fruitful life for Jesus and never got off the path. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand. I'm ready to go. Man, let's get this thing preached. I want you to open up your Bibles to Fishes chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at verse 14 to 21. Ephesians chapter 3, we'll be looking at verses 14 to 21. And you notice your title there. You allow God to do big things in your life. How many here want God to do big things in your life? Amen. I'm not talking about just everyday things. I'm talking about God doing big things. And I wrote, the, I wrote this lesson out in the middle of last week, thinking about it, praying what the Lord wanted to say today, what He wanted to do. And this morning when I was up praying, I was just kind of thinking, because I knew we had a lot to do today, but, but I, I was just thinking, Lord, I'm going to teach about you doing big things. What big things have I seen you do lately? Well, I think, to me, I don't know about you, I think it's a pretty big thing when somebody you don't know gives a house to the church. I call that big. Do you call that a big thing? Amen. I think it's a big thing. Think about my own personal life, that my wife and I, we're not getting rich off the church. I got a salary, and I get paid good for being the pastor of the church. But I don't get paid enough to almost pay cash for 10 acres with a lake and an orchard. But I did that at the start of the year. I got I got a really nice place, got 10 acres, got a pistachio orchard, got a nice lake and things like that. And within five years, the thing's paid for. That didn't happen because of what the church pays me. That happened because of the blessing of God. I bought a house, and once again, plug for Nadine. She's always sitting right over there. We'll be talking about houses and real estate. If you need a good one, there's Nadine over there and Joe. Joe, Joe's her right-hand man, and she, lets, she throws Joe a boat every once in a while. <laughs> now, they're a wonderful team, both brokers and, and real estate people. But uh, I sold my house that I lived in for nine years at Barstow for three times what I gave for it nine years ago. And come off of a really good profit to make a really good down payment on this property out here. And then because Mrs. Pastor had a dad and mom manage their money well, she got some inheritance, so we added that to what my profit was on the house and paid that. And then in addition to that, we got some more income coming in now that made a really good dent on the thing. So I've just said that to you. I call that a big thing, but I get the biggest, best place I ever had in my life, and it's almost paid for. That's a big thing. And then got money to pay cash for lots of updates we're doing to it. The money to pay for things, do things. I call that a pretty big deal. To me, that's a big move of God. I call it God moving big in my life. Well, this time last year, I had stage four blood cancer and totally healed now. Doing all God. That's big to me. That's God big. big. Last August 13th, I had a heart attack. And the doctor said 99% of my right coronary artery was blocked off. Said I should have never made it to the hospital. He said 99% of that main artery was blocked off. Should have never made it there. Two weeks later, he said, there's no damage. Do whatever you want to do. No damage. I want to say that again. I had a heart attack with 99% blockage. No damage. I call that God moving big in my life. And so I want to show you things today why God was able to do that in my life. God wants to move big in your life. I'm thinking about all of you. I don't know what's in your life right now you need God to big move in, move big in. I don't know what it is. You know what you need God to do in your life. And God wants to do so much more than what you want Him to do. You've got a head that tries to figure out in human terms, how can God do this? Because what you're doing when you're figuring it out, you're figuring out how much money you got. You're figuring out how good your doctor is. You're figuring out if you can afford the medication. So your head gets in the way, and then all of a sudden, because your head tries to figure it out, God can't move searching out supernaturally. And, you know, there's so many scriptures I can show you that tells you that God is limited by man. God's limited 
by what your heart and your mouth tells you if you can or cannot do in your life. Whatever. And you know, we're in a phase of church right now in this church that I know in my heart what God's put in my heart, what he is doing in this church and going to do. And I had to talk to some of my spiritual leaders and I said, I know there's times we have to try to figure it out and calculate it. I said, right now, where we're at, we're in a place right now in this church. You have to get your head out of the way. Don't stop God. Amen. We're not going to violate natural things. We'll do natural things. But at the same time, we're not limited to natural. Does anybody remember when Jesus fed 5,000 people off a little boy's lunch? The disciples said, Jesus, how are we going to do this? This is all we got. And Jesus said, just bring to me what you got. Let me pray over it. And then said, now serve people. And they reached in and pulled it out and reached in and pulled it out and reached in and pulled it out. They got done. Instead of having a little boy's lunch to give back to him, said they gave him back, I think it was 12 baskets full of fishes and loaves to take back. Because when Jesus blesses it, it expands. I remember a prophet named Elijah. Because of sin in Israel, there was a drought and there was a famine. And the prophet came to a widow and all she had was a little cooking oil and a little cornmeal flour, whatever she had. And the drought lasted three and a half years. And the prophet said, feed me first. Said, take care of the man of God first. And said, you won't go hungry. And said, for the next three and a half years, every time she poured her bottle, oil came out. Every time she reached in the meal can, flour came out. Whatever was in there, it kept for three and a half years. God made it keep working and working and working and working. And so I'm telling you right now, in your lives, let me teach today from the Word of God what I'm teaching. This has worked in my life for nearly 40 years. I've lived this lifestyle for a long time. I've seen this time and time and time and time again work. And so God wants to do big things in everybody's life, but everybody won't let God do big things. And so we're going to show you today how you set yourself up to really have great things happen. I want to pray as we begin to read the Word. Father, I want to thank You that we're not just a natural people. We're a supernatural people. Your Word says we're sons and daughters of the Most High God. Lord, we know that's not just a natural thing. I'm so grateful I've got a dad and a mom and that they knew You before they died and they're in heaven right now. Tell dad and mom hi for me. But Lord, I want to thank you that Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Father, you are my Father. And Holy Spirit, you're my lead, you're my guide, you're my teacher. And so as we listen to the Word of God today, Father, I thank you for speaking to the heart of every one of your sons and daughters in here, the ones listening on podcast, that they'll take the restraints off. They'll remove the obstacles. She can do great things in their lives. And we thank you for change in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to read verse 14 to 21. And then we're going to comment on a few things. Paul said in verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So when he says I bow my knees, what Paul's getting ready to say there. I'm getting ready to pray. How many know that when a believer gets on their knees, it's to pray, it's to worship God when we get on our knees? When we get on our knees, we're getting to a position where we're humbling ourselves. We're saying, Lord, I'm yielding to you. I'm bowing to you. I'm getting down before you. And something I want to say, this is not the message, but to me it's very important. It says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named said, the whole family is named after our Lord Jesus Christ. said, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, I, I, I can't help it. I'm not politically correct. I'm biblically correct. He didn't say, I bow my knees to Allah. He didn't say, I bow my knees to Buddha. He didn't say, I bow my knees to whoever your God is. This is the Bible. We're Christians. We read the Bible. In the Bible that we read... Our Bible says the family in heaven, as well as the family on earth, 
is named after our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that family named after the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ is the first part of Christian. That means that God says that Christians are the only ones in heaven. Christians are the only one in God's spiritual family on earth. And this is not as anti-Muslim, anti-Buddhist, anti-any religion. This says that anybody, no matter what they're born into, they can be converted. And once they become converted, by that I mean receiving Jesus Christ the Lord or Savior, they may have been born Muslim. You receive Jesus then, you're Christian now. And so can Muslims go to heaven? Yes, if they get born again. Can Buddhists go to heaven if they get born again? Can atheists go to heaven if they get born again? Because then they've been changed on the inside and now they're called Christians. He said the whole family in heaven is called what? Christians. What's the whole family on earth? Christians. And you know, when we agree with the Bible, we're not anti-anybody. We're lifted up Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto you. So Paul said, I'm praying to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom his whole family's named. Amen? Amen. Does that excite anybody? Amen. We belong to the family. So anyway, here's the prayer. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Do you know you got an inner man? That's called your spirit. That's where you're born again at. And so when I need natural strength, this is one of the first things I pray. I say, Lord, I want to thank you for strengthening me in my spirit. Because all spirit, Proverbs 4.23, says out of your spirit flow the issues of life. The strength of life comes out of your spirit. And so the first strength you need is spiritual. Of course, you need rest. You need nutrition. You need not lay in bed too long. You need to lay in bed long enough. You do the things you need to do in the natural, but sometimes weariness just comes on you, and you need to recognize spiritual things and thank the Lord for spiritual strength. Amen. When strength comes into your spirit, man, your spirit, man, can get energized throw things to your outward, man. But I want to say it again. You can't work 24-7 and not be tired. you got to rest take care of it. And by the way, that's why he talks about the Sabbath day. Amen. You're supposed to have a Sabbath day's rest in Jesus' name. And so he says, Strengthen them with might by spirit their man, that Christ, the anointed one, his anointing, may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love. This is a prayer. He's praying for the Christians to be rooted and grounded in love, so you may be able to comprehend or to understand with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height of that love, and to know the love of Christ, to know the love of Christ with past his knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, verse 20 right here is what this sermon's about today. Now to him, this is still the prayer, that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. To him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. And so that's a Holy Spirit-inspired prayer for believers. For your fill-in-the-blank, that's a Holy Spirit-inspired prayer for believers. When I teach on prayer, when I do a prayer series, I teach the different kinds of prayers out of the Bible. A lot of people want to know how to pray. The best way I know to teach you how to pray is what the Bible teaches. And so this prayer here is not for sinners. This is for believers. There's a different prayer you pray for sinners. You pray for sinners, according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, says the God of this world has them blinded from the gospel. So the first thing you do for the prayer of sinners is you say, Satan, I break your power off their mind in the name of Jesus. Take the blinders off in Jesus' name. And then in Matthew chapter 9, for sinners, Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers across their path to share the gospel with them. So there's different ways you pray for different people. So if you're praying for people that are weak Christians, Christians that 
even strong Christians. But the first thing you need to pray for Christians is things like this right here, that they'd be strengthened. They'd learn the love walk, be filled with the fullness of God. Because this is a Holy Spirit-inspired prayer for born-again believers. Amen. This is an excellent prayer. And in my life, I've prayed this prayer over the last uh, nearly 40 years, thousands of times for my for myself and for other people. This is one of those prayers as you're opening your Bible and reading that, you put your name in there and say, Lord, I'm praying right now and I thank you for strengthening me with might. Or if you got if you got uh, other believers you're thinking about and praying about, and you want to pray for it, say, Lord, I want to thank you for strengthening Dave with might by your spirit and his inner man. I want to thank you, Lord, for, for Donna, for praying. I just pray for Donna, Lord, you strengthen her might by your spirit and inner man and just help Donna to recognize who you are, your anointings, and the things in this verse, right? But anyway, this is an excellent prayer to pray for yourself on a regular basis, as well as other believers. But I want to really focus on verse 20, and I want you to see by the Holy Spirit, what God said to you so that God could do truly big things in your life. And so most believers, most Christians quote the first part of this verse. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. How many have said that yourself so many times? And you've heard lots of other people say, God is able. Man, I tell you, those religious preachers like the God is able. But they stop right there. Oh, God is able. But how come he can't do it then in their lives? I want to help you today. It says God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. It doesn't say period into the verse. There's more to that verse. I said there's more to that verse. You got to get this. You don't stop with the first part. You got to read the whole thing. And so it says, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in who? In us. God's got all the power. But it's come through a vessel. And in your life, you are that vessel. You're the one. You're the one that God's got to work through to do things in your life. You're the one that God's got to use in your life. There's only one person the devil cannot stop God from doing big things in your life. Your unsaved husband or wife cannot stop God from doing big things in your life. Your unsaved boss can't stop you from getting promoted. Your unsaved neighbor can't stop you from fixing up your house. The only one can stop you is you. And the biggest thing that stops you, number one, is when you look in the mirror, that little thing right there. As soon as you say, I can't, you couldn't. As soon as you say, God's moving in a big way in our family, he's moving. Amen. He says, according to the power that worketh in us. And so for God to do big things in your life, he needs your cooperation. God needs your cooperation. And, you know, I was thinking about that word. And I just looked up a couple little things. Uh, cooperation, one definition, real simple, is this. The process of working together. The process Working together. In other words, we do our part, and then God can do His part. And you know, I'll give you some example of that. Just think about this. Jesus did not just say, the whole world's gonna get saved. Jesus said, you go and you preach the gospel to every creature. Said, you preach, and that he that believeth shall be saved. Is that what He said? He said, we do the preaching, and then God backs up what's preached. And by the preaching, for that, for that great commission of verses, that's not talking about preachers up here. It's talking about us, but it includes all of you out there. Because to preach means to proclaim. That means when you're on Facebook and you 
talk about Jesus and tell people out there, Jesus changed my life, but he saved me. And he'll save you too. If you want him to, you're preaching through Facebook. Amen. When you're doing your group emails you send out, you go preaching through the emails, telling people about Jesus and be saved. You're doing your part. That God's got something to work with to do his part. When you're sharing the gospel one-on-one on your jobs, with your families and things like that, you're preaching the gospel. And when you're preaching the gospel, what's your part? You preach. What's God's part? He saves. But we preach, he saves. Jesus also said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Well, we do the laying on of hands. That's our part. Jesus does healing. That's his part. We lay hands. He heals. He said, you bring the tithe into the storehouse. Set out the windows of heaven. Our parts bring it in. His parts open the windows of heaven. And then God said, I rebuke the devour for tithers. We bring it in. He rebukes. And so you see what I've said? This is called cooperation. God does big things. God gets families saved. That's a big thing to me. He gets families saved when you have people in the family that tell them about Jesus. He said, you preach the gospel, he that believeth shall be saved. He said, you lay hands on him, and I'll heal him. We see big miracles happen in our families, in our realm of influence, when we get brave enough just to take the chance with our heart fluttered, our lips quivered, to say, can I pray for you? Because we recognize that if we step across that line, it's not just a natural thing, it's a spiritual thing. Because Jesus said, I want to use your hands. That's called cooperation. He confirms his word with signs following. Amen. So get what I'm saying. God wants to do big things in our life, but he needs us to do what we're supposed to do on our end. It's called cooperation. It's called partnership. We're partners with God. It changed in our family. We're partners with God. It changed our workplace. I'll tell you what, the best way, the best way for your workplace to get better is number one, recognize and thank God He didn't send you to a religious workplace where everybody's saved. Then you know what happens? That atmosphere, you get lazy. All you want to do is fellowship. And your company starts losing money because you're all hanging around talking about the Bible all the time, just having prayer meetings. Do you know what, you know what the most productive atmosphere is? But God put you in the middle of a bunch of heathen. Man, I'll tell you what. Your spiritual guard comes up. Your shield of faith comes up. Your gospel shoes get tied. And every day on the way to work, instead of just listening to gospel music, just praising God, which you do, you kind of got your antenna up too, saying, Lord, I want to thank you. I know I'm going into a, to a lion's den today. Lord, I know that you said, you said, yea, thou walk the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Lord, I want to thank you. I brought it here today, and I bind the devil in the name of Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you for giving me boldness. I want to thank you for leading me to the ones that listen to me today. I'm going in, Jesus, and I want to thank you. And then that causes you when you're in an atmosphere like that. That causes you at nighttime, instead of laying awake till midnight looking at Facebook, you do some prayer, got your Bible up, said, Lord, I got to have strength. I can't go back tomorrow if I have strength. Lord, I want to thank you for strengthening my inner man. I'm going to there, Jesus, and I want to thank you. And next thing you know, the meanest sinners on the job, one by one, man, you start knocking them off. Man, by that, by knocking them off, I don't mean to say I'm going to start killing people. <laughs> now you're going to there, one by one, you're starting to hold some hands and do some praying so that people get bored again. And then all of a sudden, you got several Christians on the job, and then what happens? You get laid off or something, you wonder, what happened? And God promotes you, you go to another job, got better money, you got a bunch of new batch of sinners. Somebody said, well, how does that happen? Well, all I know is that I was a teacher's truck driver, and man, every time I got the job done, something happened, and I had to go get another job again. I wasn't getting fired, got laid off, and companies went under, and things like that. So I got a new batch, so I had to start all over again, man. Got that last bunch where they're serving God. Next thing I know, here I am, these guys out here, man, call me everything in the book. Falsely accused of things like that and have to pray with them and pray with them and see things happen like that. That's called cooperation. God moves when you move. He tells you what to do. You do your part. God does his part. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. 
No period there. According to the power that will allow to work in us. Amen. Has that helped anybody to see anything? Amen. According to what he can do through us. I want to look at some things concerning the power of God. We'll come back here to Ephesians 3.20 a few times. But I want you to go to Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Talking about the power of God. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Because if it's according to the power of the God that works in us, we better know from the Bible what the power of God is he's talking about. Can somebody say amen? I want to say again, we want to know from the Bible what the power of God is he's talking about. It's not spooky. It's not mysterious. Jesus said in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And what's mysteries? That means hidden truths. Not, and Jesus, as a matter of fact, he said this in, in uh, Matthew and Mark. He said these hidden truths aren't hidden from the church. said they're hidden for the church. When you become born again, there's things about the Bible that the world doesn't see. There's things about the Bible we never saw. When you get born again, Holy Spirit lives in you. And you're serious about the Bible. All of a sudden, you start seeing things. Say, wow, I never saw that before. Matter of fact, when uh, the best was here a couple of weeks ago, God had me start exhorting on some verses out of the Bible, and all of a sudden, something I've been hearing for all my Christian life I never saw, I saw it when I was up here sharing it with you. All of a sudden, my eyes were open, I finally saw it. And that's what happens. You see things you need to see. So God wants you to see things today about the power of God, because He said that He's limited in your life to the amount of the power of God you allow to work in your life. Is that what he said? He says, according to the power that works in you. So Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ, he says, for it is the power of God. He said the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation, not to everyone, but to everyone that believeth. He said, now listen, I'm going to explain that verse to you. He said, the gospel of Christ, in other words, the word of God, he said, that's the power of God. He said, the word of God is the power of God unto salvation. Now, salvation, we know it includes eternal life, the new birth. That's his salvation. But salvation comes from a Greek word, soteria. If you're taking notes, you want to write it down. That's S-O-T-E-R-I-A. S-O-T-E-R-I-A, soteria. And soteria means deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, soundness, and health. Deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, soundness, and health. He said the Word of God is God's power to your deliverance. So whatever it is that's had a stronghold on you or your loved ones, God's able to exceed the body of all you have to think according to the Word of God that's working in that situation for their deliverance, for their safety. I'll tell you what, I praise God, uh, Pastor Dave and I at 3 o'clock in the morning going to be heading to LAX for the gospel's sake. We're flying up to Minnesota for the missions conference. We're going to get connected more strongly for Central America and things God wants to do in the church. Praise God for Soteria between here at LAX, LAX and back. At our flight to Minnesota, flight to Minnesota back. We know that the power of God's working to protect us, to take care of us. Amen? It worketh in us. And so for that LAX traffic, I much lot better. I like the airplanes better than driving to LA. But Pastor Dave can drive, and I'll just take back to imagine with blessing and prayer. It'll work really good. And so what I'm telling you, he says, now listen, we're talking about according to the power that works in you. He said the gospel, the word of God is the power of God. Under your salvation, your healing, whatever you need in life. But he said this, to everyone that believeth. To everyone that believeth. And, you know, I'm not getting out of the Greek roads, but that word believeth comes from another Greek word called pistis. P-I-S-T-I-S. P-I-S-T-I-S. 
at what that word is. It's an action word. And I'll give you an example. If you say, I believe in tithing, but you never ever give God 10%, then you're not pistis. That means you're not believing. You're just saying, what you're saying is this. You're saying, I'm born again in my spirit, but my mind's not renewed. My mind is saying, I agree with tithing, it's in the Bible. But I don't believe that in my heart because I don't do it. But you say, yeah, I believe in tithing. But you don't tithe. And so the power of God's, the power of God's not working in you there because he said the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone. No period. Everyone that believeth. Well, I believe in healing. I believe in laying on hands. But that's not the bottom of my list. I got ten things I either do. If I get attacked in my body, I got ten things I do first before I get to the laying on of hands. Well, if you actively believe in laying on of hands, that's the top of the list. First thing you do is get hands laid on you. That's the top of the list. And that's what he said, the power of God to everyone that actively does what the Word of God says to do. He said that's where the power of God's activated. When you act on it, it's activated. Until you act on it, it's not. And then somebody said, well, I wonder why God didn't heal me like he did pastor. Well, at the very start, I talked to this church family on that first Sunday morning after diagnosis. And I told you what was going off me in that blood stuff. And I said, but I said, the word of God is my first line of defense. I said, the word of God is my first line of offense. I said, I may be going through these things, but the word of God is activated first of all. I've been anointed with oil in the name of the Lord by the elders of this church. They prayed the prayer of faith over me. And because God said in James 1, verse 5, and verse 14 and 15, because God said when the elders pray to anoint and pray the prayer of faith, says the sick shall be healed. I said from the day these guys anointed me and prayed, that's when healing started. I said, now I got this place where I go to this doctor. I'll sit there. They can put the needle in my arm and do all they're doing. But that's not where my healing's coming from. I'm going down that road. But first of all, God's first. It came through that. I came through it. That's the way it is. And so that's what I'm telling you for your life. If you want what I've got, there is I've got victory in. You do what I did. So the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. And so I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 16. Hebrews 4, verse 16. And I want to say it again. If you want God to do big things in your life, you've got to do what God says to do because He needs your cooperation. Hebrews 4, verse 16. Now look at this. For the Word of God is quick and powerful. The Word of God is quick and powerful. If you've got got another translation... Your translation probably says the word of God's live. It's alive and full of power. I know another translation says the word of God's a living thing. The word of God's alive and full of power. I don't know how you said any better. God's word off those pages into your heart is alive. It's full of power. And a literal translation would be this, for the Word of God is alive and full of God's power. The Word of God is alive and full of God's power. Now I want you to go back to Ephesians 3.20. And I'd like to read it like this. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to His Word that is alive and working in us. We've seen multiple verses. The power's in the Word. And He's able to do exceed but of all we ask or think according to His power that's working in us. So that means He's able to do exceed abundantly above all that you ask or think according to how much of His Word is alive and working in you. And I want to ask you a question. I want to prompt your thinking. I'm a Bible teacher. And so a good teacher makes the students think. Amen. Is that true? School teachers? A teacher wants to make the students think. And so the question would be this then. 
if God is limited according to how much of his words alive and working in you, how do you know when his words alive and working in your life? How do you know when his words not just in your head, but it's in your heart, it's in your life? Well, when you have a financial need, when you have a financial need, if your first thought is, what can I give? The word's working. Why is that? Because Jesus said, give as shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give it to your bosom. If your first thought is, what are we going to do? I don't know how we're going to do it. Then guess what? In the area of finances, God's word is not alive and working in you yet. So that means God's power is not activated in you yet. But if your first thought is, what can I do to meet somebody else's need? What can I do to give something? What can I do to share something? That means that Luke 6.38 is in your heart, in your thinking, in your life. The first thing you think is giving if you have a need. Because that's the word working. It says God's able to do exceed abundantly of all we ask or think. According to his power. According to his word that works in us. If you have, if you have a, if you have a symptom that shows up in your body, and the first thing you think is, oh, I gotta get hands laid on me. Jesus said believers lay hands on the sick. I'm the closest believer. I lay hands on my heart in the name of Jesus. And Father, I want to thank you, said, lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus they shall recover. Father, I release the anointed God, and I just want to thank you that's working. You got a fellow believer that's close by? I mean, you know, when you're married like we are, we're together all the time. First thing I say, I say, Janice, go lay hands on me. I need help right now. Get hands laid. That's the first thing. You know what that means? The word is working in you. He said, according to the power that worketh in you. And, you know, on and on and on and on. If, if the first sign of strife in your family, if the first thing you're thinking of, oh, forgiveness, forgiveness, got to pray, got to love. If the first thing with strife comes, is I'm not getting sucked into this. I'm just going to keep my mouth. It says, he who guards his mouth keeps his soul from troubles. Proverbs 10, 19, the multitude of words are one if not sin. He afraid his lips is wise. And so the first sight, first sight of strife is to shut up, smile, pray, I love you. How many succeed at that all the time? I'm not raising my hand. But I'll say this. We have been doing this so long, we catch on real quick. Usually things don't last very long at all. We knock them out because God's word on love and forgiveness is working in our hearts. And God's power is able to work in our home. Exceeded but of all we ask or think because that's the first thought is love and forgive. Love and forgive. Shut up. Love and forgive. And so what am I doing? I'm answering your question. How do you know if God's word's working in you? If it's the first sign of attack, you do what the word of God says to do, it's working. Amen. Is anybody, is anybody seeing these things? Is it helping you? Okay. And so uh, it will profit you spiritually then to be serious about not just listening to sermons, but to actually develop a personal study habit in God's word. And so after putting into practice good Bible study habits, what do you do next to cooperate with the word? And this is where we're heading to. This is going to be the closing. But I want you to see this. This is what you do as you're developing your habits. Notice verse 20 starts off with the word now. See where it says now unto him? He's got a now. And so when I see words like that, it makes me think, why is he saying now? Sometimes he says but. Sometimes they say uh, and furthermore. But it says now. So there's got to be a reason that now's there. So we need to back up a few verses to see why God said now. Go back to verse 17. In this prayer, he's praying this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Here's why the now's there. Being rooted and grounded in love. Being rooted and grounded in love. Galatians 5, 6 says, the most important thing is, is that your faith worketh by love. He says, being rooted and grounded in love. So this believer's prayer is praying that you, the believer, would be rooted and grounded in love. First Corinthians 13, 8 says, love never fails. Love never fails. If there's a failure in your faith life, 
It's because there's a failure in your love life. If your faith's not working, that means you're missing it in loving somewhere. And so he says, pray to be rooted and grounded in love. And look at verse 19. And then to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Well, the Greek, that really says passes sense knowledge. Passes sense knowledge. That's head knowledge. So you can be filled with all the fullness of God. It says when you allow this love to work in your life, that it bypasses your head and comes from your heart, then God can fill you with his fullness, fullness of his power, fullness of his ability. Let me tell you what that bypass means. You know, I think about the mechanics, you know, got the mechanics sitting here today, man. Got my favorite mechanics all sitting in this church today. Sometimes, and, and ladies would probably, they understand this too. You ever heard of a, a bypass circuit? Sometimes if we're testing something, and want to test something, you connect a wire over here, and you got this thing in the middle, you want to go past it, see if things work, you connect it over here, so the thing in the middle can't stop the electricity from flowing. It's called bypassing. You bypass something to test something. Well, this love has to bypass your head. He said this love passes head knowledge. How could Jesus, here's a good example, how could Jesus, hanging on the cross, naked, beaten, thorns in the head, stripes on the back, up on the cross, his mom and all the people he loved look at him up there totally humiliated like that, look up and say, Father, forgive him. Went right past the head. Bypassed his head, cut from his spirit. Jesus was all God, but he was all man for us. He was the God man. There's no way you could go through what he went through with your head in the way. Say, Father, forgive them. Stephen, in the book of Acts, the first Christian martyr. They stoned Stephen to death for preaching the gospel. The very last thing Stephen said, he looked up into heaven. He said, Father, hold not this sin to their charge. No way you're getting stoned to death for being a good guy. As you say, forgive them. In your life. For God to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think, he says, rooted and grounded in love, and said to know the love of Christ, which bypasses people's heads. And so when people are wronging you, doing dirty to you, that's when you shut off your head and from your heart you say, I forgive you. And you say, I love you. And you say, I'm praying for you. And you don't say, I'm praying for you. (laughs) You didn't bypass your head, honey. That was your head. That wasn't your heart. And it's not your heart when you say, I forgive you, but God doesn't. No, I'm telling you how this works. If the whole goal we're talking about today is for God to do big things in your life, exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. And so anyway, that's why the now is there. The now is there because after he prayed that, he said, now that you know the love of Christ, God forgave you. You can forgive others. Jesus is rooted and grounded in love. He's in you, so you have that love in you. And so anyway, in closing this out, I want to say this. When you truly love like Jesus loves, God will do big things in your life. When you truly love like Jesus loves, God will do big things in your life. And so as we, as we close... And get ready to pray for you. I want you to stop and seriously think about this in your own lives. Because that's the whole purpose is to help people receive from God. If you've got big things in your life that only God can do. If you've got big things in your life that you know are absolutely impossible for you to do of your own ability. Well, we just saw what the biggest blockage is. It's you and your love walk. And so, let's stand.
And I want to pray for you as a congregation. But the Holy Spirit wants to give you a chance to remove blockages so that God can do what He wants to do in your life. We already know He wants to exceed abundantly before He asks or think. I mean, that's a given. And so, you know how big you could ask or think for what you're looking at. But God said He can do it. So close your eyes. And I want to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you that although I know probably everybody in here on one level or another, Lord, you know when they lay down and when they get up. You know the number of every hair on their head. You know where they've been and where they're going. And you know what they're facing right now. And Lord, I ask you to open their eyes to see what you want them to see so they can remove the barriers and the obstacles of you doing the big things you want to do. And so I'm asking all of you, pray this prayer, especially if you're facing crises in life, mountains in life that no man can remove, but only God can. Pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm looking at this mountain. And just whisper out of your lips to Him what it is you're facing, the big giant you're facing. Just whisper it to Him. And now say this, Father, I know that you're able to do whatever it takes to get this behind me. But I ask you to open my eyes to see anything and everything that I'm doing that's stopping you from helping me. I repent and I let loose and with your help I'll change. I'll make adjustments. I'll forgive. I'll love. I'll do on my end whatever's necessary to untie your hands. Father, thank you that this mountain, this giant, is behind me in Jesus' name. And I'll give you the praise. I'll give you the glory. I'll tell everybody that Jesus did it. And I thank you, Lord, for your freedom and deliverance. Amen, 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 amen. Give the Lord a shout. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.